going on? I'm Bobby J. This is City Chapters Podcast. Today's chapter is with Janelle Victoria Cordero. Janelle is a multidisciplinary artist. She is a published author and poet, a painter, and a professor at Spokane Community College. She is the author of several poetry books, and her writings have been published in countless publications. Recent book titles include Impossible Years, released in 2022, Many Types of Wildflowers, released in 2020, and Woke Two Birds, released in 2019. Here's an excerpt from her book, Impossible Years. This was a poem that stood out to me, um, and it just feels like a prayer you could say every day, you know, to meet the challenges of life. So the poem title is Let It Be a Good Day. Let it be a good day. Let work go by fast. Let it be a day without personal or global disaster. Let there be good news on the radio for the drive to work. Let the sun come out. Let my words match my intentions. Let no harm be done to me and let me honor everyone I come into contact with. Let my prayers be answered. Let me know someone or something is listening. And that just relates to me and how I feel about life a lot, you know, just even like, I just want to know if someone's out there listening or even cares, you know, let my prayers be answered. Cause a lot of times it feels like nothing's getting answered that I want, you know, and there's just all these difficulties in life. And, um, I, I love the one too, where she says, um, let me honor everyone I come into contact with, which is something that I intend to do that I know I've failed to do to give everybody my best energy just because of the things I'm dealing with. Um, you know, and so that poem really stuck out to me when I read her book recently preparing for this podcast. And that's the intro. I need to also do something before we get into this podcast. And that is the shout out Spocast. My boy Brennan here and this studio has made this uh, podcast possible. Without them, the City Chapters podcast wouldn't be here. So I just want to be um, shout out. Thank you to him. And if you guys are ever looking to get into the podcast game, Spocast is where you need to go. He makes it super easy and uh, it's very professional, as you can see how we've done it here. All right. That's my intro. Janelle, what's going on? You did such a good job reading that. It's, <laughs> it's you. a real like goosebump moment when I hear other people read my stuff and especially when it connects with them like that. So thank you for thank you for reading that poem. Yeah. I loved your, uh, loved your book. Um, you know, it was definitely, I guess, leaning towards a darker time because it was written during COVID and you lost your grandpa during that time. And so the book kind of focuses around that time and, and the challenges you were having with seeing your grandpa pass away. For sure. Yeah. It was, like you said, a lot of it during COVID. So a lot of introspection and, just thinking about this concept of heritage and legacy and mm -hmm. seeing because my grandpa was my mentor he was like my idol my my hero but also someone that I connected with on a very spiritual level like I mm. felt like our little souls were made of the same stuff mm. like I just felt really seen by him and so to feel like I'm not gonna have that person in my life in a tangible physical way anymore um was really scary yeah and i i needed to write my way through it to even mm. begin to comprehend what 
this is going to mean for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was. There's a lot of dark stuff in the in the yeah. book for sure. Which I, I mean, I I really liked it. Um, I think a lot of people probably know this about me. I like I'm seeking light, but my way of seeking light a lot of times is like diving in and talking about the dark stuff we have to face. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I mean, that's that's amazing that you did have the time you did with your grandpa. I never had any time really with my grandparents. They all passed away when I was really young mm-hmm. and I didn't even know most of them, but one, my my mom's mom. And I knew her until the time I was like seven, she passed away. So, you know, for you to have a soulmate within your grandpa, uh, that's, that's really special, it you was. know? And yeah. um, he sounds like an awesome dude. He was the best dude. Yeah, he was the best. And he lived until he was 95. 95. So I was so lucky that I got to hang out with him. Because I think our relationships with our grandparents and even our parents when we're kids versus when we're adults are so different. Yeah. It's like my grandpa, he couldn't hear. He Mm. like his hearing was totally destroyed by World War Two. And so, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> what? <laughs> huh? <laughs> yeah, he fought in World War II. Like, wow. that's how old he was. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, like, he couldn't hear me when I was little because my voice was, you know, I was like a little girl and my voice mm. was very squeaky. And mm. so he was just like, I can't talk to you. Not yeah. that he didn't, it's not that he didn't want to, but he, he couldn't. You literally, yeah. Yeah. And so, as, a, as an adult, I learned, oh, I just have to talk louder and he can read lips really well. And mm. so, like, I could finally know him as a person Mm. rather than just like oh my cute grandpa but as a person and yeah i was so lucky to what was his name otto otto yeah yeah shout out otto man he was so cool he was so cool and (laughs) such a hard worker like i think that's something that that i feel like our our generation really respects is the the people that that go to work and they actually love their jobs they find fulfillment in it like he loved building houses and Mm. Yeah, he was just a really cool dude. So I was just, I was just, I was lucky, lucky to have that time with him for sure. And I'm sorry to hear that your grandparents passed away pretty early. Yeah, I mean, I, I just never really feel I ever had like a really strong family dynamic. We mm-hmm. moved up here when I was really young. So, um, where did you move from again? Denver. Okay. Yeah. We moved up here when I was six. So like, you know, after we moved up here, obviously didn't see my grandma very much anymore. And then she she got cancer and passed away. Uh, I think it happened pretty quickly if my memory serves me right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I've never really had a big family dynamic. Um, and yeah, never. I have some cool memories of my grandma, but never really had that experience, mm-hmm. you know. And my dad, he's like everybody's grandparents' age. He's 81. Mm-hmm. So shout out my dad. He's probably a lot, you know, he he works hard. We'll just put it like that, you know. He comes from that generation for sure. So um, back to you, though. The, <laughs> I was about to ask you another question, so. Oh, were you? No, it's okay. <laughs> I was going to sidetrack us some more, but. Yeah, no, let's, I want to get into this. Uh, you come from a family of five generations that have been settled in Colville. Yes. So what, uh, like, what stories do you know of your ancestors, like, first settling this area? And, I mean, five generations in Colville, that's a, 
It's a long time your family's been out here. Yes, it's a very long time. Um, some of my family on Otto's side, they came from Austria. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that was back in the 1800s. So they came over and settled first in Chuila because mm-hmm. it reminded them of Matrai, the city well, town, (laughs) little itty bitty town in Austria where they came from, which I think is super cool Mm -hmm. to think. I've never been to Austria, but just to think that a place, a little tiny town in Washington surrounded by mountains could remind them of Austria. So they came here and um, they were super poor. And I write, you know, a, a, a little about this in the book, but like Otto grew up with all these brothers and had to sleep. They had to sleep like three to a bed. Yeah. And um, like his mom would make them soup out of bones that were meant for dogs mm. at the butcher. Like mm. she was like, I can turn that into something. Mm. And um, she would fix the soles of their shoes just with cardboard. Like just put more cardboard in. Um, so that yeah, they were super poor. Like Otto didn't brush his teeth until he was sixteen because mm. that was considered a luxury to mm. have something like a toothbrush and the powdered tooth it wasn't paste i guess yeah. it was tooth powder i don't right. know <laughs> but yeah just hearing like they were so poor and so scrappy and then for Otto, like he went to war and then came back and um tried some odd jobs like worked at a butching butcher shop and then like did some manual labor stuff and then decided like i'm gonna build houses and so just learned how to do that himself and built dozens of houses in Chihuahua and then Colville, built his own apartment complexes, like five of them, him, him and my dad, and just like truly built himself from the ground up, which is so cool. And wow. I'm so proud to like be a descendant of that kind of work. It's awesome. Yeah, so it's almost. I mean, I don't know how old Colville is, and like when it was (laughs) founded. But uh, it sounds like your grandpa is like one of the forefathers of Colville. (laughs) (laughs) He definitely built like there are suburbs in Colville. Suburbs. It's a town of like five thousand people, so it's tiny. But you know, neighborhoods in Colville Mm. that were that are primarily Reiner built, which Reiner is my maiden name, and so to think that like. Otto and then all of his sons became builders. They all built houses themselves. And so, and then my brother's a builder. Like, it's just this really cool legacy. Yeah, it is cool. Yeah. So, Otto, is that on your maternal side or uh, paternal? Paternal? Yeah, okay, that's for what my I, dad. Yeah, all right. Yeah. And so, was your other side of the family, your maternal side, in the area for a long time yeah, as well? Yeah, the Colsteads, that's my mom's family. They've been there, so they've been there longer. Their mm. Otto's family has been here for four generations, including myself. And then uh, my mom's family's been here for five generations, which is oh. very cool. Yeah, okay. they're farmers, so they yeah. have like a different, kind of a different background, but... They moved here from the Midwest and then, Mm. um, but moved to Colville uh, first, not Chihuahua. But yeah, it's cool. So on both sides, it's this very rich commitment. Yeah. Colville, which is, I think, especially now. Bring over the Oregon Trail to get here. Like, what? (laughs) 
like serious. I'm like dead serious. So like, how did they, they get? They must have. They must right? have. Like, there that's weren't insane. cars back then. <laughs> no, like, they like, were like, let's is... go to Eastern Washington. That's wild. Like, I don't think I've ever met anybody that's like has family that settled here coming on the Oregon Trail. I can still here with the root <laughs> i mean i don't know if it's that but it's just like this is this <laughs> is wild yes yeah, yeah. so you, you like they were probably like before the, the oregon trail that's 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 about, real talk they I, probably that's how badass your family is someone like oregon who, trail we were here decades before someone that. who knows history is gonna be like you guys <laughs> i'm not a history buff so me you're neither. gonna have to forgive me yeah sorry um but Everybody all we know is about the oregon trail janelle's family's no joke they've been here for a they've been out here <laughs> well, I appreciate, yeah, I appreciate your respect for that because I feel like yeah. some people are like, man, that's sad that you that's guys have sad. been in the same place for, you know. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's just, it's a totally Reminds different me of the show Yellowstone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that connection. <laughs> uh, great show, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm from Medical Lake. We used to play, you know, Callville and sports all the time. We used yeah. to travel out there quite a bit. Oh, um, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Are we rivals? We're the distant rivals. I imagine Chuila was your your real rival. Chuila, Deer Park. Ugh. Oh God, Deer yeah. Park. Who likes them? Because you you would have played them too. Oh right? yeah. Two A. Yeah, two A. I was like switched in high school a couple times, but yeah. Man, I was so jealous that I think Callville went down to B. Yeah. After I graduated, and I was like, "Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous." I think uh, Medical Lake went down to B too for okay. like a time. Man. Yeah. We would have destroyed if we were in that in that um, bracket. Yeah, A was we had to go to Pullman. Yeah, I remember Pull? They were yeah. monsters down there. Yeah, they were all like six feet tall. Yeah, they're cloning people for their college. That's mm-hmm. what's happening. That's why their high school team is so ridiculously big. Yeah, they're it was clones. Such a long drive. No. Drive like it was like four <laughs> hours just to go get slaughtered by everyone in Poland. Yeah, not fun at all. Nope. And I mean, you, the Caldwell boys weren't small either, though, in comparison to medical aid boys. What do you think, it, like for soccer? Uh, soccer. Uh, no, soccer wasn't too bad with them, um, but football. Played, yeah. played against them in football and like my senior year they went on to win state champs what when did what was your senior uh, year? 07 that's wait, did yeah. we know that that we graduated in the same year uh, oh really mm-hmm. yeah I, I was graduated. gonna bring it up I was just curious <laughs> like oh like, you know I yeah. guess that's why I was bringing it up here actually our football team was very good yep and they like shut my our team out but i gotta just like big up myself i'm the only person that got a touchdown that game and they <laughs> so wouldn't like, they wouldn't let me play at all because i was mixed up in other stuff in the school so it was all politics but they in, put me in for in yeah yeah mm-hmm. I, they put me in for a little short it might have even been special team whatever i got a touchdown <laughs> only, only touchdown of the game so congratulations yeah, if my coach ever listens, you messed up, man. No, <laughs> I should have been in there the whole time. <laughs> would have taken us. That was so. Yeah. It was like you got knocked out by them. Otherwise, you would have gone on to. No, no. I. I mean, no. <laughs> no, no. no, our football team, my senior year was. It was not looking good. I see. But like again, it was like a lot of politics. There was a lot of guys on the team that were really good that were like but they 
started benching us because of us partying and different things like that. Rebels. Which I feel like is like, come on. Come on. <laughs> We're <laughs> high 17, 18-year-old kids. Yeah, like you, you guys are that serious. So like our quarterback ended up being like a freshman that year what? because they wouldn't let our QB starter for a senior play. Like it was just, it was One, just crazy. Yeah, and clearly y'all did not learn a lesson from that. Yeah. So that was not effective. Discipline. No, no, not at all. No. Nope. Did you? <laughs> did you? Did you enjoy growing up in a small town? Did you really Loved feel? Because you had so it. much roots there with your families and yeah, it things. was I'm so just, cool. Like yeah. I feel like it's something. Which how big is Medical Lake? It's re- it's pretty small. I mean, no more than probably five thousand yeah, people there. Yeah, so comparable. Yeah. yeah, and it's I mean it's just so different than growing up in a in a city. I feel like because we really, especially during you know the '90s and early 2000s, like we really had the run of the town. Like my parents were like, "Get out of the house! I mm-hmm. don't want to see you until dinner time. Mm-hmm. Like go entertain yourself." And so you know you had your bikes and razor scooters which would just wreck your shins but you know like <laughs> rollerblades like you just entertain yourself you went into the woods like you got into trouble and yeah it was amazing it yeah. was so good call was like really out there um <laughs> it is. you know yeah. close to canada you're like you're up there i haven't been mm-hmm. there um in like a long time i went there this last winter season though because i was going up to sherman pass to uh do some split boarding up there oh, cool and so we stopped in callville again on the way back and it's grown a lot since i was last there yeah for sure and we ate at the little italian joint uh-huh. the i don't remember what it's <laughs> called but there's a small little italian joint there like off one of the main roads mm-hmm. it was really good it's got some you know yeah like it's it's got some cute little restaurants and mm. it's a, it's a cute it's a cute town for sure and obviously i'm biased towards it because i feel very nostalgic when i go there every mm. little town has its charm like i'm sure medical lake feels like that mm. <laughs> <laughs> not really not quite no oh. no not really unfortunately i wonder why i don't know it's medical lake <laughs> Just it's medical lake i mean hmm. they're i mean they've 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 done a few little things i think to make the town a bit better but it's really about the same and there's been no major growth but there's a there's a foundation out there called reimagine medical lake that they've been doing good work out there like making um the fireworks shows better and just nice. getting more involvement in the community and so I recognize what they've been doing and I know some of the people on their board and they're doing good work out there. But Medical Lake, I don't know, it's just so small, you know, and you have, there's just not nothing really going on there. We got the state hospitals, you know, yeah. and that I think is a big part of the, you know, why that town probably stays alive more than mm anything but um you know there's the park at the lake that's really cool and it seems like that's grown and people use it a lot more than when i was growing up good. like people go out there and paddleboard a ton now so it's good to see little things like that but 
Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be mad at my mom's thinking about moving, and I've been like, move up north, like Chihuahua, Colville area. <laughs> really? That's where I want to go. Yeah. Like, if she's gonna move, like well, that's where I want. Especially as a snowboarder. Yeah, I'd sense. be closer to forty nine, but yeah, <laughs> like that would give me a home base yeah. <laughs> near the mountain. Yeah. yeah, and her best friend lives up there, um, right outside of Chihuahua area. Nice. So, um, yeah, I was just curious about. I figured you would have to probably love where you grew up with your family roots and everything. And so I was just curious if that intuition was right. For sure. Yeah. 100%. And I, and I, I feel like I hype Colville so much. And then sometimes people go there and they're like, this is like any other small town. Like, what is your problem? And so I recognize that like, it's not perfect because no place is perfect. But like Mm. you said, because my roots are so deep there and the people that I know and love are there. I think that's that's part of the alert too. Like, it, not only is it beautiful, but it's also just this place of rich history for me. Yeah, and you probably know a side of Colville most people don't. Yeah, like they see the town, but you see the surrounding areas and the memories you have there. And yeah, yeah. But I was impressed with Colville the last time I went up there. I was like, I'd much rather you were impressed. be near. Yeah, I mean, you guys got a North 40 up there. I like know? it. We do have a North 40. We have a super Walmart. Yeah, you got a super Walmart. Which Canadians Walmart. like to go to, which, mm. you know, keeps it alive. It's like the mall. Go to Walmart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not something to hype. But, yes, we do have a North 40. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I rock with North 40. Yep. Um, so how and when did you discover your love for poetry and art? I'd say I'd say for poetry and writing, that's something that's always been a part of me. Like yeah. from day one, as soon as I learned how to write things, I was writing stories. Like my first grade teacher was a very nice lady named Mrs. Cashin mm-hmm. and she, <laughs> she would ask me to write her stories and I would write her a story like every other week when I was in her class and just you know I'd make the little book out of paper and staple it and illustrate it with crayons and whatever and I have no idea what those stories were about but she was so encouraging and <laughs> like made me feel like I was a writer when I was in first grade Wow! and yeah like I never forgot that even though I'm sure it was trash because I was in first grade <laughs> <laughs> like there was nothing uh, enlightening about those stories but just the fact that she was like man like you're doing such a great job like I appreciate your hard work thank you for this I look forward to the next one Um, just meant everything and so I think that's I just really leaned into that as my way of kind of figuring out the world was just writing everything down and then I feel like art I I always like to draw and stuff too like I I didn't really commit myself to it until I was in my 20s probably just as a way to in some ways as a not as an antidote to writing, but as maybe the balance to writing because writing is so um, cerebral and I have to be very intent on my thoughts and with art I can just turn my brain off and focus Mm. wholeheartedly on whatever I'm 
doing, which is kind of cool. Just kind of let it free flow more instead of like thinking about each word and Mm -hmm. its importance and dissecting what you're writing. Yeah. You can just more be free with the artwork. Yeah. Because my art, I mean, you've seen it. It's very like messy and abstract and, you know, like things don't necessarily look the way they're supposed to, but it doesn't really matter. No. With with writing, I have to be so precise. Like it has to be just right. And Mm. art can be just, it's like play versus work kind of Mm. it's interesting you have a very uh specific style of artwork though that you do like your paintings they all they have like a continuation of resemblance like where did you derive your style from how did you come upon this style where do you get the inspiration from for it it's it's very it's very much an evolution for sure i Mm. think i've always been fixated on like portraiture and figure studies so just the face and the body Mm. Um, but when I look at stuff from like when I was in my early 20s I'm like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) this is absolute trash or like back then if I gave a painting to my friend like one of my friends had one of my paintings from back then in her house and I'm like you cannot keep that anymore. (laughs) I don't want that to exist because it's garbage. Mm. Um, And so it's definitely been an evolution for sure. But I'd say um, people like like Egon Scheele, who was a European figure study artist, and then an artist that's alive is Conrad Rosé. And they just... Like their work is, it's watercolor. It's very, like, in some ways abstract, but you know what you're looking at too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But I appreciate that you think that there's a continuity because I hope so. Yeah. Like I hope that like when someone sees my work, they're like, oh yeah, I know who painted that. Oh, whether I w- they like, like it or now, not. Now that I know, I would never probably mistake one if I seen it you know around or whatever that's awesome so I mean and it feels intentional it feels like you're Mm -hmm. definitely doing that with on purpose like Mm -hmm. to have this certain aesthetic and style and it's like you could take all the pieces and you could put them all together if you wanted to or however you wanted to orchestrate it Um, but yeah it's like you've created your own like how I see is like a brand, you know, like it's your brand. The way you paint is very like, that's Janelle Cordero. I love that. Yeah, yeah I hope so. And like, yeah, so I appreciate that you reckon you're like, from my perspective, from my perspective, it, it, that's how I've interpreted it since I've done the research. And even like looking back on your uh, Instagram, cause it goes way back. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, holy like, oh, smokes. Like, okay. <laughs> I try not to go too far back. So I'm like, what is that? <laughs> but I could even see, I can still see the, like the evolution of the style. Like mm. the style, even way back when, had like the essences of what's what it is now. But it's just like you said, you've evolved and you've, I don't know, maybe just kind of curated it more to be what you wanted to get to, or or what you you know you made the tweaks, but. Mm. Uh, I like the art. It's very, like, colorful and, like, I like, like, splatters. Uh, I've always liked that in, like, (laughs) artwork and, like, the different kind of textures that come from, like, a splatter design or whatever. And I'm not saying yours are splatter, but they have that, like, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. the 
you make it you make the design have this like dis, not distressed i don't know how you would describe it but this like splatter effect is almost what i kind of see it as yeah and, and I, sometimes i do splatter yeah so you're spot on yeah and i just always have like like that in artwork mm. um but it's yeah very colorful makes you come alive and like all sorts of different like body types and uh, essences and it's really cool i love that thank you yeah yeah i, I try i try to be pretty inclusive because i think a lot of body types don't get represented in art right and yeah i've i've talked to a lot of women especially that are like i'm really grateful that all of your like all of your figure studies aren't just the same type of body yeah yeah so thank you for noticing yeah well i think that's important um for multiple reasons one is like you said like to represent everybody but also, too, it just opens up for you not to do the same thing in the same body style. Like, that's going to get boring, too, you know? And so, like, yeah. being able to create based upon different body styles and um, figures. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I think it's important. Uh, you've been in terrain with your artwork, correct? Mm -hmm. And poetry, too? Or just... I just haven't. the artwork. Yeah, I've just done the artwork. Like my yeah. my poetry book is at From Here, their little store right. in the mall. Yeah. But yeah, I've participated in Terrain since Terrain Eight, maybe hmm. <laughs> when it was in the 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 old building, yeah. the cracker building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah, and then they outgrew that, and so they had to move to a warehouse. And yeah, I love Terrain. It's a it's a really fun an event yeah they they're doing really awesome things i mean for this city where a lot of people complain that you know people don't support art and all these mm -hmm. different things uh well terrain makes that happen mm -hmm. and you know thank god we have them <laughs> yeah yeah and i feel but, like spokane is changing in that way oh like, yeah I feel like artists are very supported here now, do you, do you feel? Yeah, yeah now. Yeah, yeah, do you, for sure. Do you feel that? I, I definitely well? think so. I think there's a lot of bigger money in town. I mm -hmm. think there's a lot of outsiders who had culture where they moved from and they want culture here. Mm -hmm. So they're helping support it and, and showing up. And so, yeah, I think now there's a great opportunity for people to actually have a career here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think different individuals doing different things like the reason i'm doing this podcast is so like i can highlight somebody's story like yourself and if people want to know who these people actually are just outside of what their artwork is you can actually get to know these people in our town and and um yeah i feel like you can maybe get to know these people for real yeah i love that and i feel yeah. like I've, the episodes that i've listened to they are a deep dive into whoever you're interviewing so i feel like yeah. you do a really good job of opening up the human behind you know whatever the persona is this is all how i know to talk like i don't yeah. this is like so that. natural for me so you know i i think i must attract individuals that are open to that as well you know and i feel like i feel like most creatives or most people pursuing something that's hard it's not you know mm -hmm. just a, you're you're 
pursuing something that's unique for yourself, right? Like most of those people tend, I feel, to be open to some kind of deep conversation at some level. How vulnerable depends, you know, but Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people have realized as we've, you know, our society shifted and being more vulnerable that it's important for people that do unique things, art, pursue passions to talk about how difficult it really is um, instead of like putting up these personas that it's all easy. You just show up and you have a callous mind and you get it done, which you need that. But behind that and forming that mindset, it it takes a lot of work Mm -hmm. for most people. And so, yeah, I I don't know. We're going off wherever, (laughs) but I appreciate I appreciate, you know, that you've noticed. And, and that's been really cool for me, the people that I've had on that, you know, before maybe I even get to know them, I'm like, I, you know, I have a respect for this person and for them to give that kind of feedback just really helps me know that I'm, I'm hitting my mark because that's my intention. Like my intention was always with this podcast, like there's so many amazing people out here doing really amazing things, yet it's hard to even know or find out about them, it seems like. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to help change that and to get to know these people too, like on a more personal level, because I think that's what my brand is really about. You know, we got, I got a new motto that I'm using for the brand and it's repping cities, connecting people. And a friend of mine that I haven't seen since my sophomore year of high school, basically, uh, we just linked up last week again. He he was like, it's my homie Brett Reyes. Shout out Brett if he's listening. <laughs> he literally like in high school, people thought we were twins. Wow. And like when we when we met up the other day, I'm like, we are twins, bro. This is still still like wow. it, it was crazy. <laughs> it's just like so is he weird. Here in, uh, yeah, he's living in Spokane currently. He was living on Maui. Um, he just left there recently, and I don't know. Maybe it's good because they're on the whole island is on fire, which I know is yeah. breaking his heart. But uh, yeah, he's he's back here right now. And anyway, he was just like talking about how he knew me in high school and what I'm doing now, and he was like, "You're the connector, dude." And I'm like. Mm. It's weird. Like, I don't know if I see myself that way yet, but like, I know that's what I'm doing. And like what I've set as the model for city chapters, repping and connecting. Like we just, we, I just met you recently. I didn't know who you were. And then we met and I'm like, oh, this, this lady has abundance of artwork. She's written books, you know, we ended up having mutual friends. And so it's kind of weird sometimes how I get to, you know, connect with people and meet people to make this podcast keep going and to have you on is awesome. And this is my second lady on the on the show, which Janelle is <laughs> like, you need more ladies. So here she is. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and I we're think, working on it. I think connector is a really good description of what yeah. you're doing. And I think that you're also like you're so good at pulling the like the narrative out of somebody like that that underlying story of how they got here why they do what they do and why it matters within the context of Spokane yeah it's that's so important so yeah you're you're doing a good job well thank you (laughs) (laughs) you heard it here first (laughs) Uh, anyway 
Well, keep going. I got another question here for you. Um, what disciplines do you enact to withdraw your greatest potential and output within writing and art? I love that you're asking about discipline because mm-hmm. I think that so many people, especially if they're not engaged in a creative venture, they just think like, that can't be hard. Like, what do you do? You just, you know, write when the muse comes and then just yeah. like throw some paint on the canvas and say, I'm done. I'm an artist. But no, like that shit is hard mm-hmm. and it's hard to stay disciplined and it's hard to believe in some moments that any of it matters. And <laughs> right? Like if like yeah. if we want to if we want to go to the dark side like yeah. truly like I am sure that every artist even people who aren't necessarily engaged in what we think of as as a creative form of medium um I think we all have that question of like does this does what I'm doing does what I care about actually matter? in in the scheme of things and it takes discipline to continue to do whatever it is you're called to do even when you're asking those questions and when you're feeling Mm. those doubts like i'm sure Mm. that you have experienced that every day yeah with the podcast every day every day (laughs) every day wow and and it takes discipline to keep doing it Mm -hmm. and to say well i have to do this regardless like i think it was tim ferris that said what would you do if you knew that you couldn't tell anybody about it mm-hmm. and to me like those things whatever whatever your answer is tells you what like why you're on this planet like mm-hmm. those are the things that you should be doing regardless of whether you're going to get recognition from it or not so i feel like discipline wise mm-hmm. i write every single day and I do it in the morning because mm-hmm. that's when my brain is, I'm a morning person, <laughs> which I think a lot of people are like, that's weird. Um, but I'm a morning person. That's when my brain works. And so I dedicate like my first half hour to an hour of every day to writing to say, okay, I've got the most important thing done. So whatever else this day throws at me, I've got the most important thing done. And I try to paint every day too, but like like I said, painting is more play for me. Yeah. So if I don't get a painting in every day, it's it's not as it's not critical. as crucial. Yeah. Yet it's not as critical. Mm-hmm. But for writing, I do it every single day. And then I also because I think as a writer it's important to to get your work out there too. So I also submit my writing um, to journals every month. Like I have a set goal and say every month I need to submit to, you know, five journals. And so I sit down and do the awful admin work of sending my stuff out. Mm. But I love all that. Yo, that's great. <laughs> that's that's amazing. Cause it, that's really what it takes every day showing up. Mm-hmm. Every day. And writing is really hard. And so there was another question on here you had seen before, and I was going to ask, have you read The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield? Which you have not, but that whole book is exactly about what you're saying. Mm. Um, it's about meeting and fighting the resistance as a creative. And Stephen Pressfield's an author, so he talks about the need to sit down to write every day. 
And it doesn't matter what you write. It could be complete crap that day. But it's as long as you sat down and you enacted your creative medium so that you've done the hard thing. And he talks about he does it in the morning, too. And I think most disciplinaries like and great people, it's like the first thing you got to do in the morning is the one thing that you know if you don't do it right away, you'll figure a way out of it. Mm-hmm. You'll figure a way for your mind to be like, oh, we could do it later or not. So starting off right in the morning is is huge. You know, I'm I'm learning to be a morning person. I've really struggled with that. Um, I just, uh, I can sleep like crazy. So I'm like trying to enact the discipline of getting up early and doing certain things within, you know, my first hour of the day to... Uh, know that I've done the hardest things in the day first. And like one for me, um, you know, working out a short amount of time, but journaling Mm. or meditating, I think that that one's crucial because I'll read during a day, usually at some point here and there. Um, But yeah, journaling or meditating, I find like I really know now, like as I've practiced it, And then the days I don't practice it, I notice the difference of like why I'm so uptight. I didn't get up early enough this morning. I was out of bed and on the go from the time I woke up. I had no moment for myself. And it doesn't matter if you get it later on in the day at night. It's already what's done is done. You've already wound yourself up with trying to get everything done you needed to. You started behind. Mm-hmm. And now that I see that difference, it's like, even if it's 10 minutes or five minutes of meditation in the morning, just five minutes of just putting in some calm music and just sitting there for five, 10 minutes, like that in itself just makes a huge difference um, for me. So now that I've really seen the other side and, and have practiced it enough to know the difference between those days, it's like, all right, I, I got to have more strength and doing this every single day mm-hmm. i'm not there yet mm-hmm. I've, but that's working something on it. that i want to develop a practice of is meditation and it's been on my new year's resolution list for like four years mm. and i've given myself a little bit of grace because i'm like well writing is kind of like meditation that's what i was gonna ask kind of, but it's yeah but it's not quite yeah because it's still you're very, still running the mind yeah so that's something i respect and admire and i'm gonna mm. i'm also gonna try to implement yeah i you know, one thing that helped me with meditation is just like realizing it's just sitting there like mm-hmm. you don't need to find anything you know like mm. i think it seems like society is taught like meditation is about finding this this uh nirvana you know and it's not really all it's about if you do reach that place like that's awesome (laughs) like (laughs) that's amazing but really it's just about like sitting and just being without you moving around and and just giving yourself a short time to be with yourself Mm -hmm. and even if you don't even if you do have these crazy thoughts that you don't want to have like that's okay Mm -hmm. you know so that's something that's helped me too because i always Mm -hmm. had this intention prior with meditation is like oh i'm i need to reach a place of some sort of enlightenment every time i meditate like i need to reach this 
this evolution or uh, uh, a sense of serenity every time I meditate, like that's not, not practical. Mm -hmm. And I think once you realize it's not about that, that it's easier to meditate because you feel like you're failing in meditation if you don't get this, uh, some kind of revealment or epiphany or something, mm -hmm. right? Like that's what you think is going to happen. But ultimately it's just about just shut up and be for a second. Mm -hmm. And I, I even, think that ties back to the book really well too, yeah. that you mentioned the war of art mm -hmm. because like you said, it's coming back and doing something regardless of what the outcome is. So even if you're, you know, you write and it's garbage, but you're like, well, I did it though. Yeah. And so I'm going to be ready for when that inspiration is actually there and the words are flowing. Mm -hmm. I feel like similar to meditation, you're like some days um, I might not get as much out of it, but it's still worth doing because it's just calming yourself down and yeah, being present in whatever you're feeling. Yeah. And tying into showing up every day in the days that are good or not because like the day like if you just show up one day and it's not good and you then give up because you're like oh, i'm not good enough then you never give yourself that opportunity for the day that it's going to be great mm -hmm. and even stephen pressfield talks about he's like most days i write it's garbage it's that one day where i get something that's amazing and that's what i use and he's like, I could write chapters and I'll take out one third of the chapter and have to restart. But, you know, or just just keep writing it out. And mm -hmm. that's hard, you know, to get to a place where you like, you know, you're not writing anything good. Mm -hmm. And uh, even with this intro today, I was like, All right, writing something out, deleting, <laughs> writing something out, deleting it, writing something out. And I'm like, all right, dude, you cannot keep doing this. Just keep writing, <laughs> keep writing it out. And then you'll get to where you need to get to. And then we'll take out what we don't want. And mm -hmm. I was like, I think I did all right. You know, you did a great job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's something I tell my students too. I have them read a, a, article by Anne Lamott called shitty first drafts mm. and just tell them like you you can't revise something that doesn't exist so yeah just put something down on the page and then you can rework it or add to it delete whatever but like just do the hard work of putting it down on the page first yeah I think just doing the work just showing up mm -hmm. that's a another way that book describes it just show up yeah. and so many times we don't feel like showing up or so many times we don't have the motivation or the ambition or the inspiration to write or anything in it. And, and that's where discipline comes in. Mm -hmm. And this is an evolution in me understanding business and what I do too. It's like, dude, it, it has nothing to do about what you feel like doing. It's about what you know you need to do. Because mm -hmm. we all have that. We all know what we need to do. Mm -hmm. But we're not always going to feel like doing it. Most of the time, we're probably actually not going to feel like doing it. And we get those small wins, but those small wins are not in comparison of the struggle of showing up every day. Yeah. But once you have the discipline and it's not about, oh, I don't feel like writing today. It's like, this is what I know I have to do. It's the hard thing that I have to do to get the eventual results that I hope come, but not having an attachment to those results because... Mm -hmm. Once you're attached and you don't get what you want, then you give up too, you yeah. know? So 
I've mentioned this on the podcast before too, but there's a book I read within the last year, the Bhagavad Gita from uh, Hinduism. Mm -hmm. And Krishna is talking to this warrior who's having conflict in life. And like one of the major principles that he teaches them is like, you need to do the work and have no attachment to a result. Mm -hmm. You just do the hard work. You put it out there and the and the gods will decide from there where it needs to go. But if you don't do the work, you're never gonna you're never gonna get any result. Yeah. You know, so it's like whatever results do come, like just be okay with them. Mm -hmm. They could be great, they could be subpar, they could not be what you expected, but you're getting some form of result, you know, it's because you did the work. And so that text is ancient, you know, that's thousands of years old. And these guys had the knowledge of that then. And it's something that I've had to really work through because I, I think I had a, a notion of, oh, I did this. I put it out. I didn't get anything in return. I didn't feel like even though I did of some kind, I just wasn't conscious of it. Mm-hmm. So then I, you give up, you know, and mm-hmm. I just finally got to a place of maturity where it's like it's not about what I feel or what I think is going to come from this it's that I know I need to do this Mm -hmm. that's all that matters as long as I do this thing that's really what matters the most whatever comes from it good or bad I can rest easy tonight knowing I did what I was supposed to do Mm -hmm. so that's hard especially and I think our culture is so fixated on the product Mm -hmm. rather than the process Mm -hmm. and so to say i'm going to prioritize the process over the product and know that i'm still doing what i'm supposed to do that's it's really hard yeah and i think the our culture too is fixated on they want they want the the fame of what they think this thing that they do is going to get them Mm -hmm. they're not they're not even really focused on the work and the process they're they're fixed on what i am how i'm going to appear to others if this thing works and i got caught up in that too for sure Mm. and it it becomes about you know about fame and glory and it's not about the work with city chapters you're saying yeah just in life but like city chapters other things i've done in life and um i i I see it with a lot of other people now too like i can just i like i know because i was that way like i Mm -hmm. see it like you're doing this for the wrong reasons you know what i mean it's not it's not centered on you do this because you love it and this is what you feel called to do you do this because this is a means to you becoming this image Mm -hmm. of who you think you need to be Mm -hmm. but you don't have the dedication and i mean that my results speak for themselves as far as from my perspective my internal perspective is like i was too caught up in um not the actual work Mm -hmm. and and you gotta really you gotta really love that and have discipline for that work but I think a lot of people try to be like, yo, look at all the work that I, I've done. You know, look at what I do. Like, hey, look at my work. And mm-hmm. I've always been more quiet. Like, I try to let my work speak for itself. But 
I don't know. I think there's a lot of mixture there between what you think you want to accomplish and, and this goal in your mind of what, why we do these creative things. Because ultimately, no matter what, you want recognition. Like, can't really get outside of it. You can work with it. You can subdue it a bit. Like, that's not really the most important thing. The most important thing is me expressing my my heart, my soul into this. But it's I don't know if it's possible to get away from the fact like you want people to acknowledge what you put out there, you know? And I what wonder, are your thoughts? Yeah. I wonder if you could flip it and say recognition or connection. You know? Mm. Cause I think I think you're right that we that we do create things and we get really hyped when someone, you know, like you you're like, hey, I see I, I can recognize you as an artist and if I see a painting of yours like I know it's yours like that's really cool to me mm. but I think we can also pair it with something like connection because I think the most meaningful feedback that I've ever received it's not like a it's it's not an article in the spokesman it's not you know a, a shout out in that way it's more so one individual person who reaches out to me and they're like this poem spoke to me mm. like it touched me it reminded me of this it made me feel something that is so much more fulfilling to me and i guess it is recognition still on a small scale it's still there i like i like how you're saying though the connection because really i think the difference in those words is important because recognition mm -hmm. is about self it's about yourself, right? Yeah. Connection is about others as mm -hmm. a whole. Like us as a whole connection is more about like we're all one and to connect with each other and to realize like, hey, we're all in this together. And you see what I do is just a reflection of us as a whole, you know? Exactly. Something deep like that, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, truly, yeah. yeah. I think especially things like art whether it's yeah creating a podcast and telling a person's story whether it's publishing a poem um yeah it's recognizing that your experience while it's it's unique to you other people are still going to glean lessons from it and see themselves in it like that's human nature we mm. can't help it like we want to see ourselves in in other people mm -hmm. and so i think any creative work especially that's coming from the heart other people are going to connect with so cool <laughs> such a yeah such a blessing yeah i definitely i mean i think one of the big reasons for this podcast is and i've gotten this type of feedback where you know it has helped people these kind of harder conversations where mm -hmm. You know, people have came back to me like, man, that one podcast when you guys were talking about this, like that really kind of helped me with how I was dealing with things. So I think for me, ultimately, like as much as we all think, oh, I want recognition or whatever, it really does come back down to that deep sense of connection with others. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's why and I don't even know if I knew it from the very beginning but i know that's why i do city chapters now it's like i want to cause connection because i've ceased to have like 
a lot of what I feel like a lot of great connection in my life. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of broken connections and broken relationships and um I'm trying to I feel like I guess just create something in the world I don't really see from my perspective. And so this podcast was my idea of how I could connect with people and to give you know, highlight their story. So it's not just about me, you know, this podcast gets to bring amazing people like you on. And so other people get to get to know you and I get to know you at the same time, which is, I don't know, a double whammy, you know, (laughs) double whammy. Yeah. Whammy. Oh my God. Evan thought Anchorman? Anchorman. Oh yeah. Wow. What a throwback. Yeah. Oh, I got Anchorman quotes for days. Really? (laughs) Was that like your favorite Will Ferrell movie? Uh, for sure. Really? Without a doubt. Interesting. Yeah. Me and my brother, we, we can go on Anchorman quotes all day. So Hmm. I don't know if, I mean, Anchorman's pretty good. It's up there for me for Will Ferrell, but like. Talladega Nights, Ricky uh, Bobby, Step, you know, Step Brothers. <sighs> I like I like Talladega Nights for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I have to go with Anchor Man. That one was okay. so classic. I respect that. What choice. were we talking about? <laughs> How did we get here? <laughs> Will Ferrell. Um. But yeah, uh, that that book. The War of Art. I'll buy you a copy because I think that's really? a great book for everybody to have. That's a creative, especially. And uh, you've already pretty much mastered it. It sounds like, but you know, <laughs> definitely need some need some help. We yeah. all need it. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to read it. Yeah, it's a good one. It's really helped me, and um, it's just you know, because I I relate with it a lot with what he calls the resistance, and it feels like at times there's such an incredible resistance or weight on me from keeping me from doing what I want to do. I, I can't explain it. It just feels like my like, like I have to drag myself to the desk just to get things going sometimes. And um, or my mind will come up with all these ways to distract me from doing the one thing I know I need to do. Mm-hmm. And so, like you said, doing that one thing in the morning that you know will make your day feel like a success, that's that's huge. Mm-hmm. And if you can get to that place like you have, that that can set you up for a real chance of success in your medium, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's, I hate to blame everything on, you know, our cell phones and social media and technology and whatever, but mm-hmm. I do think we live in an age where, our attention is constantly being hijacked by all of these different things yeah. that want, you know, that that want us to focus on them because it's profitable. And so in a lot of ways, I do think it's harder to spend it's way harder. It is. Yeah, because we know that in our pocket, like we have something that will entertain us for hours very effectively. <laughs> and yeah. that's scary. Yeah, it's sick. Yeah. It's really sick what's happening. Honestly, I yeah. I took a break from social media uh for a few days. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I've been just just mentally healthier, yeah. you know, over those days. And I've had this conflict of like how can I operate 
my businesses without social media. Like, I want to figure out a way. Like, YouTube is okay. Like, I feel like I could do YouTube because I'm not, I don't surf YouTube like I will Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't really use Facebook. I'll get on my desktop to get and post something, but I don't have it on my phone. But Instagram's the one that gets me. Mm-hmm. I downloaded TikTok recently just for like my um these podcast clips. Mm-hmm. I hate it. Yep. I absolutely hate it and uh don't want to use it. I don't think I'm going to. I'm like Instagram is like that. I can't do any more than that. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I've been thinking can I just like is how can I do this without social media? Like how do you be a full rebel and be like I will operate outside the system. I don't need to be in the system. But I am, you know, mm-hmm. or I'm trying to figure it out, whatever. But mm-hmm. I, social media is just, it's got everything so messed up, I feel like. Yeah. And I hate partaking in it because I really don't like it. I know. And I think that that's something, I don't, I, some artists probably love social media, I'm sure. But yeah. I am also one of those people, I've had that same question in my mind. Like, can I get my work out there without using Instagram? Because I also had TikTok. I downloaded it, you know, a year or two ago. And I used it to make poetry videos, Mm -hmm. which I I feel like in some ways slowed people down on that app. So I was like, I'm doing good work. Um, But I would also scroll through and then like the sound bites of TikTok would get stuck in my head. I'm like, Mm. that's taking up mental space Mm. (laughs) that should go elsewhere. And instead I'm just like singing tiktok songs in my head yeah. like that's how effective it is it's scary it is it's very scary because i was listening to j cole talk about why he doesn't get on social media and he's like it's like back in the 50s when everybody was smoking cigarettes and mm. they didn't have the research yet to know how damaging it was for people and what are we gonna know and yeah i mean by the time 20 30 years from now people are going to be completely living in alter realities like it's already happening now like people are just totally living in these virtual reality games and mm-hmm. i mean i don't know where where it's all going uh doesn't look good mostly for me and i just want to stay grounded like if it you know to me the essence of an outlaw is just like i'm not taking these paths that um are being told you need to take to be successful and if Mm -hmm. i do use them i'm going to use them in the way that i see is best for me and i'm not going to uh regurgitate trends just so people pay attention to me Mm -hmm. and oh oh the algorithm favors this thing so i'm gonna do it and like i see even i've seen friends um and people i know that are like oh i'm just doing this for the algorithm so people notice like Mm -hmm. then you already lost you know to this enslavement because that's really how i see it i mean people are literally enslaved and i that's what i think i've been struggling with so much mentally with social media is like i feel like i'm a slave to it Mm -hmm. like i will get on my phone for something other than instagram all of a sudden i'm on instagram like how the fuck did i get here (laughs) why (laughs) like seriously like how the fuck did i get on instagram i wasn't like i don't even remember what i was like i'm brainwashed Mm -hmm. and that's the scary part is we have given social media so much control so much control and the fact that it's with us constantly if it's on our phones yeah like we gravitate towards it 
like you'll you'll go on to check the weather and then you're like why am i <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is happening why am i scrolling right now yeah. and like that wasn't a concern with myspace because no. you had to be on the computer what was MySpace guy's name? Tom? Tom. I rock with Tom, man. He was man. everybody's best friend. Yeah he, yeah, he was the homie, man. Yeah. And, and yeah. then Zuck came around. Ruined it. They, But for real, like you said, <laughs> they want us to... It's almost like they, they... Again, it goes back to profit, but they want us to feel like the virtual world is almost more real than the real world. Yeah. Like your virtual, you know, social media persona is more important than who you actually are in real life. It is 100% that way. 100%. And yeah, I'm really, yeah. Glad we're talking about it because I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of people struggle with this. A lot of people that, you know, don't maybe run businesses or have creative mediums like us do mm -hmm. stay off of it and they can, which like, do it you know do yeah. it i just even right. the last few days because i you know want to post clips from this podcast because i mm -hmm. think that is like th that's important right yeah um and that's what i have to remind myself like i don't care about the likes i know people see it and even if it's just one person that can take something from these sound bites that we get from this podcast because what we talk about is authentic and mm -hmm. the way the clips are generated are authentic because it's not like we're doing this right now for a clip right. you know There's what no i mean script. like we didn't set this up for a yeah. 10 second clip for us to get and and there's no script it's just authentic conversation and so i feel like that translates over to the social media even though it's not this whole hype thing that i see other people doing it's that's not what i want to do you know i'm I'm at all costs. I'm trying to remain authentic if I'm going to use social media and um, not get caught up in the trap of likes and uh, mm -hmm. how many followers and all of that, you know, because uh, I, I struggle with it. I struggle with like checking once I post something, did somebody notice? Did right. somebody pay attention? Did I get any likes? But ultimately, I've luckily got my my mindset to a place where i'm like it it don't matter i did the work i put it out that's all that matters is that mm -hmm. i did that mm -hmm. and um not be and attached to the result like that bhagavad gita talks about and you know like what you were saying too earlier it's just like i showed up i did it you know mm -hmm. that's all that matters yeah i think that's a really a really healthy way to look at it to look at it as a tool like an extension of authenticity because it can be used that way mm -hmm. but it takes i think it takes a lot of discipline for sure and i think it was easier like when instagram first came out there weren't all the ads weren't on there so it was a lot easier to curate what you're gonna see mm -hmm. but now because it because it is trying to manipulate us and keep us on there longer, mm -hmm. you know, that it's going to throw whatever it, it's like, Oh, you were looking at this jewelry earlier on a different yeah. website, but like, yeah. here it is again. Here it is again. <laughs> here you go. And when you in the search Ugh. on Instagram now, Scary. it's just like, you can't search for anything because it's just got a feed of distractions right below the bar. For real. Yeah. It's like, like, it's you're so really hard into to this search stuff. something. It is. Like, I, it is. And it's, yeah, it's just so much more manipulative than it was originally. But yeah, trying to remain authentic and 
producing, you know, whatever you, whatever, whatever message you need to get out, using it as a tool for that. And then, like I set a limit for myself of mm. 15 minutes a day mm. and that's it. <laughs> so, and sometimes I go. You don't over, hit the extra 15 minutes? I do sometimes, <laughs> especially if I made a poetry reel because they I, I hate editing video. Like I, I hate making it. Yeah. But then it's worthwhile to me if one person's like, I needed that today. Yeah. And they're not gonna get it anywhere else. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, it's a medium that I can use. It's not what I'm gonna put all my effort and energy into. I don't want to learn the algorithm. Yeah. That does not interest me. Um, yeah. But I'm still gonna use it sparingly mm-hmm. and with discernment. Yeah. <laughs> What uh, what are some some of the ways you think of fighting or remaining authentic in this world? Like, how do you think about remaining authentic, staying in touch with who you truly are, and not letting these outside influences, whether Instagram or whatever, mold you? Because you can mm-hmm. like you see that happening, and it's happened to me. We're all affected by our environment, like. Yeah. And it's a constant struggle to not be swept up in it. So like, what are some ways that you feel you've created for yourself to remain authentic? Mm, That's a really good question. I'd say what makes me feel most authentic is maintaining relationships with people in real life that that are that are genuine that i can be fully myself in Mm. i think that that's really important having those people in your actual life that you see maybe not every day but you can Mm. see them in person and have deep conversation because Mm. that's so important for us to connect with each other like that um and then just doing the you know following my calling doing the things that bring me joy and make me feel like myself as much as I possibly can and yeah not getting swept up in whatever trends are sweeping through Instagram and you know everywhere else yeah <laughs> yeah but it's hard yeah. it's really hard how because and that's something that's important to you how do you feel like you have remained authentic when the world wants you to be a certain way mm. I don't know. When I asked you that question, I was like, do I know the answer for myself? It's such a hard do question. I, do I actually know the answer for myself that I'm asking her? Yeah. Um, I think, honestly, one one way for me, and I, I think I read this about you, you're introverted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've became more introverted. And I think isolation is a good way to uh protect yourself and to remain authentic now it it can you can isolate yourself to an unhealthy place but i think ultimately people that can spend time alone and are okay with spending time alone can really find their authentic self versus others that always have to be with others now i'm not saying that those people aren't authentic and and that they don't find maybe that is their authentic self compared to me. Mm -hmm. But I, 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 for me, definitely spending time alone has helped me, um, protect myself. Mm -hmm. Cause I think at one time, I don't think I know at one time when I was younger, like 18, 19, coming out of high school I was so heavily influenced by people I was hanging around and music I was listening to and 
thinking that 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 person you know was me and really i was just like uh i don't know like i've always feel like i've like remained somewhat unique in who i am but there was definitely times i was like just kind of following trends almost or whatever right Mm -hmm. and um i think through isolation i've really come back in the touch with my authentic self spending time at my family cabin like working on the land and stuff out there that really helps me stay grounded getting my hands dirty outside of just doing creative work that really is a another way to keep me humble you know and and that i'm not above working in the dirt i love that yeah i connect with that so much yeah because when i when i go up to colville and like if i go on the job site or something or um, my dad, you know, owns apartment complexes. And so if he has a move out, I'll go up and, you know, help him paint the walls and clean the bathrooms and like get on my, you know, hands and knees and scrub a toilet Mm. that I did not make dirty, you Mm -hmm. know? And that's, it is such, it's so humbling, Yeah, you know, or just to, yeah, like weed the, you know, weed the garden and just to, to remember, yeah, we're not above any of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, that's, that's so good. Where's the where's your cabinet? It's outside Medical Lake area. Okay. It's on a small lake called Otter Lake. That's cool. Yeah. My family has a cabin up by Colville too, and I feel the exact same way. Like whenever I go there, uh, there's no cell service. Mm. It's amazing, and you can just be by yourself and be in nature, and all of whatever you're stressing about is put into perspective, and you remember yeah. like. We're here for such a short amount of time. Yeah. And yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. I, and I completely agree. Solitude is very important to remaining authentic mm-hmm. and just being with yourself and not feeling like you have to be stimulated at all hours of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was reading um, recently in the 5 a.m. club. It's a book I'm reading back to back, but, you know, it talks about a lot of creatives spend a lot of time alone, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, I, and it talks about like, that's how they form their medium to be very unique. Um, So I don't know. It's really hard. I, sometimes I'm so alone. It's just like, damn, like, I don't even know how to sometimes seemingly connect with people you know which is like counterintuitive to what my friend thinks i am and 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 this (laughs) podcast but i mean that's the truth and um um you know i'm trying to develop this brand so that i can be around others more often Mm -hmm. you know and 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 finding people that are like-minded or at least are open-minded Mm-hmm. I think that's really one aspect that I feel is important about this podcast is having people that we might not see or have the same ways of thinking, but that we're open-minded to each other's creative endeavors and pursuits and how we deal with the challenges that come along with it. 
and then making that hopefully relatable to anybody in life because any pursuit of creativity is really a pursuit of self is what I've come to understand. Like building a business is building yourself. Mm -hmm. Pursuing creative outlets is like really working on yourself, learning disciplines and, and other areas that can be implemented in other areas of your life. You know, like I, I didn't really, I didn't really fully understand that either. Um, coming into business, you know, you think you're doing business because you want to make money and you want to be successful and all these things. And for me, I realized that it's way deeper than that. Like all these things I'm trying to figure out in business and, and city chapters, it's all me really figuring out myself and who I want to be. And um, I've totally lost track of that at times. Like I don't know where I'm going, who I want to be, but I know that I got to keep trying to push on this. So have you have you experienced those times within your writing and, and your art, like just kind of where you get lost in it. You don't fully really know anymore why you're doing it or. Mm -hmm, for sure. Yeah. I think that that's, I think that that probably happens to anyone that's pursuing something that's so close to them and mm. something that like you and I have used the word, like your calling mm. You're if you're pursuing your calling, I think it is, it's, it's easy to come up against that resistance and those doubts of, this isn't important to anybody. It's so easy to feel that way because of how important it is to you. Mm. And it makes like when we're pursuing something that we love, we're more vulnerable than at any other moment. And so it's so easy for doubts to creep in because we are vulnerable. Mm. And yeah, so I've definitely experienced that. And that just goes back to discipline of doing it even when you are scared terrified, mm. exhausted, um, or like on those days you said when you're like, I'm so alone and I don't even know how to interact with other people right now. Because <laughs> yeah. I've definitely, like I've spent, you know, a day, you know, just by myself in my head, reading, writing, whatever. And then if I try to like to have a phone call or like, yeah. you know, go to the grocery store, I'm like, oh, other people exist. <laughs> and I have to... <laughs> Like be a human outside of my own brain, uh, and that's hard sometimes. I uh, I've had this saying for a while, where I'll you know be whatever locked away doing my thing, and I'll come outside. I also <laughs> used to do this when I would go on like a party bender, you know, yeah. like come back outside or go to do something. There, oh, there's a world out here. Yeah, like, there's a whole freaking world going on out here yeah. and it's just kind of funny because we live in our minds so much mm -hmm. and uh even now like you know i know our traffic's nothing compared to big cities but uh even now i like i'll come just down here or wherever i'm going a short distance and i'm like what the hell's happening <laughs> like, where, who are these people who, who and why are there so many people driving around so recklessly so recklessly. it feels so dangerous to drive now people just do the most outlandish maneuvers I that know. are possible with no regard to the safety of themselves or who they just cut off or mm -hmm. whatever i feel like that's i just be like trapped. driving shaking my head like what is going on 
Yeah. Like that's that's people that are totally trapped inside of their own yeah. self and saying, oh, well, yeah. it doesn't like what I'm late. And that's the only thing that matters. Like no one else on the road matters right now. But they are reckless. Like <sighs> I would I would love I grew up riding dirt bikes up in Colville. Oh, and me so too. I would love yeah. to have a motorcycle. Yeah. I do not. I would never. I do not trust anybody in Spokane. Mm -mm. Like I would if I was up in Colville. I, I rode like a little Yamaha 125 when mm. I was after I graduated high school. Like, yeah, cut around on that thing. Yeah, never would I hear. No. Never, because yeah. people are crazy. I've had two friends uh, nearly killed yeah. on motorcycles by cars that just pulled out and didn't see them. Yeah, it's so scary. And yeah, uh, I had friends too try to get me to ride street bikes. I was like, nope. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. One, I'm like, I love speed, so like, I'm dangerous if I get on <laughs> one of those, and I don't trust other people either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Traffic's crazy. Yeah, it's wild out there. <laughs> I mean, at least in uh, uh, bigger cities, like the traffic's going so slow. Yeah. Now the problem here is like we're right in the middle of uh -huh. traffic jams, but and we're it still just going getting too yeah, fast, like way too fast. <laughs> it's yeah. just like. We're in that danger spot. Yeah. I'd rather have people just not being able to drive fast mm -hmm. and get there a little slower. But right? Yeah. Just like <laughs> be a minute late. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, thank God I reached that place because I, I definitely drove fast when I was younger. Male, Same. you know, uh, young and what dumb your, and what angry. What was your first but, car? Uh, Jeep Cherokee. Uh, yeah. Okay. What was yours? And you just rallied around in that thing. Oh, yeah, I wrecked that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I wrecked, I wrecked that two oh, weeks geez. before my uh, senior graduation. Did you roll it? I rolled it. Drinking wow. and driving. Oh, no. Yeah. Glad you're okay. Me too. But the Cherokee did not survive. It did not. It didn't make it. It was a really cool, like, green color as well. Mm. I love green. Like so lime green? No, no, uh, like, like dark forest, forest green. Yeah, like a classy <laughs> green. green. Okay. Lime green with big 22. So that would be cool. Mine was a... the Tonka Cherokee. That'd be cool. <laughs> Mine was a 1995 Toyota Celica. Oh, it yeah? It was a stick shift, and it was, like, a periwinkle color. So it was, like, in between purple and blue. Nice. It was the most beautiful car in the whole world and i loved it and babied it and kept it for like 13 years mm. and then she just had too much too much wrong with her so wow. i had to sell her but you had for for a while i loved i loved that car yeah. <laughs> you can tell like i'm nostalgic yeah, yeah. she's beautiful mm. <sighs> beautiful car do you have any poems about her? I don't. I should write one because clearly <laughs> I have a lot of emotions. I'm like, that sounds like, <laughs> like you really a poem love in there this car. Sure. Yeah, but definitely <laughs> drove, yeah, reckless way too fast, like on the little curving mountain roads up in Colville. Yeah, a lot of back roads up there. Yeah. Good and bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, what are some of like the person we kind of been touching on this but i want to ask a more direct question what personal benefits related to growth do you experience when writing or painting the personal benefits probably stem from kind of like what you said um pursuing something creative or artwork allows us to understand ourselves more yeah so i think both it comes with an understanding of the self an understanding of 
like my my place in the world and how I connect with things, but then also that connection with other people. Mm. So I think while I'm writing, while I'm in the process, it's it's helping me make sense of the world. And then once I release poems or artwork, writing, whatever, into the world and get feedback from other people, that's when the connection comes into play. And that's, there's just nothing like it. And like you express the same thing when someone's like, I really got something out of that podcast episode. When someone's like, I really got something out of that, that painting or that, that piece of writing, there's, there's nothing more fulfilling. There's nothing that makes me feel better than that. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I don't know. You know, like there's those sayings that say, if I could just change one person's life, then it was all worth it. It's true. And uh, I think I'm trying to find that truth more for myself Mm. because I think I do have like a lot of selfish tendencies that I'm trying to work out, you know, and... I I feel like I'm a very giving person, but ultimately I always have to come back to like, why do I do what I do? You know, like what, what is the real reason I'm doing this? Is it, is it for attention? Hmm. Is it really to help people? And I think because I, I do ask those questions that it helps me remain, you know, those kind of questions help me remain authentic in what I'm doing, but also helps me remember that all right the focus isn't about me like the fight against personal attention and all these things is like okay that's that's cool if that happens but that is not what is going to validate me you know and that's something that I had to work through a lot of too like um, in business and and all these things because I got to a place where it, it was like what it doesn't matter like it really doesn't matter what I do and what I accomplish um, because we're everything's so small, you know, like we're so small. Mm-hmm. Like, but then I realized too that it has to have some kind of meaning, you know, and so like just not having the attachment to. I'm going to be the one to change the world or what I do changes the world. It's just like, I think this is important. And if it helps people, that's great. This is like that simple. I feel like it's, it's switching the perspective from, I want to change the world to like, I want to change a world Mm. because I think that we are each one of us. We are our own little world right and so to be able to help truly like help one person it's in some ways the same thing Mm. as changing the massive world to be able to connect with one person and help them through whatever they're going through in some ways it's even better because you can see it on an individual level rather than being like oh well you know my podcast it was streamed a million times. That's so cool. But then not getting any individual feedback, like what would you prefer? Would you prefer one person to have a heartfelt conversation with you and be like, Bobby, that changed my life. Like what you said, what you're, what that person said, like that truly changed the trajectory of my life in a really rough time. Or would you want 
the statistics of you know my episode was streamed this many times and you know, <laughs> so many listeners but you did you didn't get that other feedback yeah i mean my higher self <laughs> wants to like, to change people, right? Stream sound, and nice, then the though. lower self is like, yeah, <laughs> uh, recognition. Streams mean oh, the podcast is successful, right? Yeah. Like so, but I mean, that's you know the angel and the devil. I I feel like for me, that's always going on with me. I got my higher self. I have the the. I have two different wolves, you know, that I have to learn. Listen to that podcast, huh? Do you listen to that podcast? No, which one? It's like the Good Wolf. Oh, is and it? They talk about the Good Wolf and the Bad Wolf. Yeah, <laughs> I've, got, I've heard those in now, like analogies. Maybe I've heard yeah. clips from them or something. But um, I, you know, I love, I love wolves. Always have. I've had one encounter with one when I was young. And uh, it's just a memory that I've remembered forever. And it was a lone wolf. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm a lone wolf. So, like, I've had to kind of understand that concept of what it means for me being a lone wolf. Um, Because it's just, like, the way that my life has been unfolding. And I've been, I think, resistant to it for a while until lately, like, accepting this lone wolf philosophy and like being okay with it and and being in touch with it and letting go of certain needs and so kind of like what I was saying earlier like it doesn't matter it's kind of like a concept of there are so many people in this world that are trying to be like look at me Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at what I'm doing, look at my business. Hey, this is what I do. I can help you do that. I'm, hey, yeah. like, oh, like we say this networking and all that networking is, is about yourself mm -hmm. and what you want for yourself. And we try to portray it like, oh, like, no, I'm trying to help you get what you want, but no, it's all about you. And so I've really struggled with that. Mm -hmm. And I think at some place, I got to a place like, is that who I am? I don't want to ever be that. So I'd rather be the guy that lives off in the woods mm -hmm. in a cabin and I take care of my stuff and I and I do the work out there and that's all I would ever need. Because mm -hmm. that's all I would ever need. I've really simplified my life as far as materialism. I've gotten rid of a lot of different things. I don't have, you know, as far as clothes, shoes, like minimize all that, minimize uh just a lot of materialism and simplified my life. But then there came to me, and this is a quote from Marion Williamson that I've always liked a lot, but it's like, you know, you don't, you don't serve the greater purpose by shunning your light. It's, that's not exactly how it goes. Do you, you probably know this quote? Do you know that quote from Coach Carter? That's where I first heard me it. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I never forgot yeah, it. I, yeah. I had it. I wrote it down and put it on my wall. Yeah, like it was that important. I've had it on my wall too. Yeah, to to yeah, and it, it, that's yeah. essentially what she's saying is yeah, you're like you're you're not lifting others up by by dimming your light. Yeah, like by by shining as brightly as you can, then you give others permission to yeah. do the same. Yeah, and that's whew, yeah, love her. So I love that quote and that and that uh, within the last few years um came back into my life and and helped kind of maybe 
reinvigorate my purpose. Like hmm. I'm not in my deepest of hearts, I'm not doing this to get attention. I'm doing this because I feel like City Chapters was a gift to me. I don't exactly know where it's going, but I know I need to show up and put work on it every day and it'll be revealed to me. And mm. the podcast was a real big part of that element of like, hey, this this gives City Chapters way more depth than just being clothing and it makes it about others, you know, yeah. like in every episode has been or chapter has been about who this person is sitting across from me, what they do. And, you know, you might get little blips about the way I think or sometimes longer blips. Sometimes I go off and I'm like, all right, this is their interview, not not me explaining myself. But um, I'm just uh, I'm just, you know, stoked to have this podcast mm -hmm. and and get to spend time with people and, and get to know them. And I think that that's what keeps like that's that's what will lead to longevity of a project too is if it's focused externally rather than just on yourself because i think most people will get burnt out if they're just trying to rep themselves you know do that grind for so long mm -hmm. like eventually they're going to get tired of it but if they're doing whatever they're doing for other people you're you're not going to get tired of that like because you're going to consistently be fulfilled and know that you're actually making a difference not only to yourself but to the people that you care about yeah that's what's going to make a project last so i feel like that's what's going to i mean the clothing is dope of city chapters for sure but mm -hmm. like you said you're you're expanding it so it's not just clothes it's about the story and community and connection mm -hmm. it's so much more important yeah yeah Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, taking a, just taking a moment, you know. Like, wow, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I've built something cool. Yeah. Well, you have two. I mean, you have, you have, how many books out? Is it five officially, or is it four that are like your own books, and then one was like a cross publication or something? Yeah, I think it's four, and then a couple chat books. Um, yeah, and then my next book is going to come out from a, a little press in Seattle, which I'm really excited about. Yeah. Rather than, because my other press is in Milwaukee, which I'm like, that's cool, but yeah. I've never been to Milwaukee. Like, yeah. I don't, I've never met, you know, the publisher or whatever. So I'm excited to have somebody closer to... In-state. Yeah, like yeah. PNW and, yeah, the, one of the editors was like, I want to go to Colville. Like, what a, <laughs> that's so cool. Like, what an honor that my writing would make you want to go see that place so yeah that That's that really book cool. will come out either later this year or early next year do you have a title for it yet that you can reveal or i'm gonna i think i'm gonna, gonna call wait. it talk louder talk louder yeah okay <laughs> i like that thank you what's the what's the idea behind the title it was it's the title of one of the poems in there and it was about how which you probably did this too. Boys, maybe not as much, but like, you know, in the in the 90s and early 2000s, again, like cell phones were relatively rare 
uh, I had track phone, so mm. like very minimal minutes, like you couldn't make long phone calls. And so we were always on the landlines and we would, as a kid, I would call my best friends and just talk to them for like two hours. Mm. And then and then my brother would be like, I need to get on the internet, like yeah, <laughs> just dial yeah. up. So he's like, you need to get off the phone. Yeah. Um, and the idea was like, I knew he was outside of my room, like banging on my door and I would just talk louder. <laughs> just like, like you don't exist. Yeah. I am, I'm on the phone yeah. right now. So yeah, nineties <laughs> nostalgia. That's there's, cool. There's still phone numbers that I remember, like of some of my best friends. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm not going to list them because yeah, well, I think some of their world. parents still have their landlines. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I can, I could call them. It's so uh, weird. Do you remember cool. any phone numbers from? Uh, we had to. Pizza factory. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I knew how to get my fuel. Yeah. yeah. Uh, pizza, pizza factory. factory out there. Oh, yeah. We have a pizza factory in Colville. In Colville? Yeah. There's, okay. Yeah, there's, there's one, one in Deer, in Deer Park. Park. Yeah. Deer Park. I didn't know there was one in Colville, too. Mm-hmm. Mm. That was our favorite. We liked Pizza Factory over West Side. Oh, yeah. West Side was garbage. was. I don't know. I can't speak to it now, but when I was growing up, Pizza Factory, 100%. I, uh, like, for people like us, then, that <laughs> grew up with Pizza Factory, yeah. every other place is garbage. It's true. Nothing pizza Factory is so good. Why? I don't I know, but I... I what do you do to us? <laughs> dude, like, I'll eat pizza from other places. I don't like, feel good afterwards. No, no, thank you. I could eat Pizza Factory all day. My stomach is happy, content. <laughs> I don't feel bad the next day. What would you... Do you have a favorite pizza? Uh, just a classic pet, man, really? from, mm. from them. But mm. that's I'm probably a... my favorite. Okay. What's mm. yours? Hawaiian. Hawaiian? Yeah. Come on. Pineapple? Yeah. On pizza? Have you tried it? <laughs> I'm assuming you've tried it, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I like the Hawaiian, too. My best but friend. you know how there's people that are, like, totally against pineapple yes. on pizza now? I know. I know. Which, I, it sounds weird, but it's delicious. No, it is My friend good. would get, like, the, isn't there, like, a like a chicken ranch one or yeah. something? Mm-hmm. I was like, no one wants that. We yeah. all want Hawaiian. But she would get, like, half of it. Mm-hmm. Their breadsticks too. Yeah, mm. very good. Very yeah, if you're ever in one of the small towns with a pizza factory, <laughs> pizza factory, do yourself a favor and get some real pizza. Yeah, they should sponsor you or something if you're eating it that much. You know what? Now we're thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm gonna give them a call after See, this. Guys, and, we gave you like uh, ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as we should. Yeah, because it's important. All praises be to Pizza Factory. Um. So, Woke to Birds, this one was released in 2019. Now, all these books, they're, they're poetry-based books, right? Yeah. So, what do you, you have a certain focus on each book, like a certain topic that you're kind of centering around? Or do does the poetry kind of just go where it needs to for each poem? I'd say, I'd say there's definitely, like, overarching themes for sure because what I like to do is I write you know every day for a year and at the end of the year which for me it's usually the summer just because teaching like Mm. summer is my chill time Mm. um I will I have everything typed up because I've been sending poems out but then I'll I'll print out 70 80 90 poems and say 
what are what am I focusing on and do mm. I have a book here and usually I'm like cool I got a book um so yeah like there are definitely themes kind of obsessions really I feel mm. like writers like we center in on whatever obsession we're grappling with at the moment and it could be something that we're going on that's going on in our life or it could just be something that we're thinking about all the time um like the woke to birds book I feel like that was it was kind of a time when I was going through an existential crisis I would call it Mm. because I like I totally lost like any kind of spiritual footing that I had like I grew up Christian but never like really bought in I guess Mm. and so I just I was in like my late 20s and I was just going through these thoughts of like what's the purpose of life why are we here I'm gonna die first of all yeah what does that mean that's scared the shit out of me yeah it's weird right it's so weird gonna not wake up one day I'm not gonna exist one day yeah and that's and I don't trips me out I know and I feel like (laughs) a lot of people don't even think about it Mm -hmm. it's just they don't even think about it, which yeah. blows my mind because I <laughs> used to think about it way too much. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm just like, I'm not going to exist. And it scares the shit out of me. <laughs> and so that one was very like spiritual and, and looking into like Buddhism and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, like I think they all have themes in that they're whatever I was obsessed with at the time, like whatever I was going through at the time. So, yeah. Yeah. You're still thinking about dying, huh? Mm. <laughs> like that's all I got from that. We're going to die. Woke the birds <laughs> and wake to death. I don't know. Oh. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have um do you have like any like goals for your career like as far yeah, Okay, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's hear some. I do, for sure. Um, I mean, in terms of just publishing, like I just want to keep yeah. cranking out books. <laughs> right. And it doesn't really matter to me as long as it's a product that I'm proud of and it mm. connects with people. Like, you know, obviously it would be cool to, which goes back to the recognition thing, like it would be cool someday to be published by a massive press, yeah. you know, with like such a big do a rollout and yeah. and do a to like signing tour and, and yeah. yeah they have all the money in the world and yeah. they can just throw throw at marketing which like that never happens for poetry obviously like it's not the most profitable <laughs> like it's not a detective novel that people are just going to consume you know poetry is mm. like like people aren't as stoked about it mm. so but it would be cool to have you know just bigger publishers with a little more a little more backing to just do the marketing stuff that I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be cool. But like I, I'd love to be the Spokane Poet Laureate someday. I think mm. that would be dope. Is that, that's an award they give yeah, out well, yearly? It's, it's like a position. And I think oh. it's, I think they, it's like a two year term or something. Mm. And, but they like, they're the representative of poetry in the community. Wow. I think that would be so cool. Is there a certain organization that does yeah, that? It's or through Spokane Arts. Spokane Arts. Yeah. And yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, I applied yeah. this time, so I don't know. But it's always yeah. like, it's usually folks that are, that are older and more well-established. So we'll see. But that would be but super cool. You, you never know if you don't apply, right? Yeah. And, and then, I mean, there's like a state poet laureate. 
And then there's a poet laureate of the United States. Whoa. I know. I don't know if I could ever do that, but. Oh, you could do it. That'd be cool. You could do it. And then in terms of teaching, I feel like it's similar. Um, Like I love, I love what I do right now. I teach for the Spokane Community College and I teach like composition and creative writing and poetry and that sort of stuff. Um, But someday it would be cool just to teach creative writing Mm. and not have to worry about research and all the other stuff that I have to teach my students now to be successful in college, which is, it's important, Mm. but I'm also like, I really only like deeply care about your ideas yeah Yeah. and like your your creative writing yeah yeah but i make it creative Mm -hmm. i'm sure (laughs) (laughs) you can do it your way Mm -hmm. so where do we go next (laughs) we've gone so many places i feel like we've done a really good job I think we've answered all the questions that I had. Nice. And probably a lot that just came to your mind later on. <laughs> do you do you edit these afterwards or is it just like cues? No, usually we don't edit too much. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Um Well, do you have anything else you want to share before we close it up? We're right about at the 2 hour mark, so that's <gasps> Man, I'm going to have a parking ticket (laughs) at the end of this. It's worth it, though. Um, I'd say I'd just reiterate that you're doing a good job and that what you're doing is worthwhile. And I know that the podcast is going to get bigger and bigger as you bring more people into Mm -hmm. it. And I've really enjoyed listening to the episodes and I'm honored to to be on one. Thank you. It's been really fun. Thank you. Uh, well, you, you have such an amazing energy. It's very nice to be around. And um, I have no doubt that you can, you know, accomplish those goals. One, because you are writing every day. That's what is going to make the biggest difference between people who make it as an author and not you're doing the one thing you have to do. And it's really cool to... Uh, hear that from somebody actually implementing what I read in a book, like the Stephen Pressfield, like to actually know a person in real life doing that work. Um, That really was helpful for me uh, because we all know the disciplines we need to enact, but most of us really struggle with doing it on the daily basis. And to meet somebody that is doing that, it's like... um, It's really, I don't know, it's not motivating. It's just like, yes, you know, like, yes. And like you're a published author, you know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's, it's not these huge publishing companies and whatever, whatever, right? But it's the fact that you put your heart and soul, because it's poetry, this is really Mm -hmm. your heart and soul and it's personal. Mm -hmm. It's not just some fiction you know it's it's really your life and especially in the possible years like you talking and putting these things out there um you're doing the work i like i like the whole aesthetic that you've built too surrounding your books um your branding and your artwork because it does 
also from my perspective, it does feel authentic. Like mm-hmm. your book cover, you near the lake and everything. It just it felt very authentic, and the way that you just shared these experiences in impossible years. There's a lot that maybe I didn't directly um, relate to as far as like your relationship with your grandpa, the age that you are and losing him at that age, but the feelings and the emotions of dealing with similar things in my life I could relate to. And it's just really cool, once again, to get to know a creative in Spokane that's really going out there and doing things outside the norm because Mm. most people, like, in general from Spokane, I think it's changing more, but like you're, you're, you're being an author, you're being a poet from Spokane and you're not just doing it at a, at a level of like, Oh yeah, I write poetry. No, you, you literally are publishing books of poetry. (laughs) There's a difference, you know, from people who want to do what you're doing and are maybe too scared to take that next step. And so for you to be, that light to other poets in our community and if you were to become the spokane poet queen uh <laughs> poet <what> queen. <laughs> i like that better than poet laureate so the poor like, yeah because i forgot queen. i forgot the word i was just like yeah. yours is so much better yeah yeah spokane arts you know you could hire me for poet ideas queen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to a collaboration um but no seriously uh just want to you know, acknowledge, acknowledge you, Janelle. Um, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> really going to get some of your other books. I only had the chance oh, to man. read me in the possible years. Wait till the next years. one comes out. Yeah? yeah okay, well, I'll get weird. that one. The other ones <laughs> yeah. are weird. Yeah, wait oh, till cool. the next one. All right. Mm-hmm. Thank What's you. the title of that one again? Talk Louder. Talk Louder. All right, be looking out for Talk Louder from Janelle Victoria Cordero. I'm Bobby J. This is City Chapters Podcast. Till next time. <laughs>